Good day and welcome, friends, to the court of the trashy royals, where our betters, with their fancy titles, have been behaving badly since the beginning of us telling stories about them. Hey, this is Stacy. Thank you for joining us today. Alicia, it's the end of the line, at least for the Julio-Claudian dynasty in Rome. That is it, Stacy. Alicia here, friends, and thank you. Really excited you're here with us today to conclude this triangle of a story because it is not complete without the end of the line, Nero. Keep those togas on, friends. I'm coming in hot this week, maybe with the most infamous of Roman emperors. Sure, sure. Nero is the nephew of Caligula. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know him. He fiddled while he watched Rome burn. Everyone loves to hate Nero, and honestly, with good reason. He's terrible to everyone. Men, women, children, his mother, his spouses, Christians, Jews, firefighters, Hmm. all of Rome, really. Nero, he leaves destruction in his wake, continuing many, 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 many generations of dysfunctional family dynamics. Let's get into it. He's born December 15th in 37 AD. Little Nero is born in the reign of Caligula. His name is not Nero when he's born. It's Lucius Domicus Ahenobarbus, but Nero is the name he will take a little later. Little Nero is born in Antium, which is kind of, whoa, the fancy Roman elite playground. You're not okay. in the city. You are in Antium. Okay, so it's like a Palm go- Beach. gorgeous suburb. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, vacation colony okay. of gotcha. ancient Rome. And there are some important ties that are latched onto our little Nero. Nero's father is Gnaeus Domitus Ahenobarbus, who, honestly, Nero's dad, a little bit of a mean drunk, Stories about him include Nero's father killing an ex-slave one night when he just had a little bit too much to drink. Oh, he gouged an eye out of a fellow senator in the Senate because that senator dared disagree with his great policies. Oh, Nero's father also killed a kid in a traffic accident just in a little bit of a road rage incident, like with a chariot and a horse. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. But alas, that's only half of Nero. And honestly, Nero's mean, drunk, road rage, angry father dies when Nero is like two years old. Okay. So no love lost there. Nero's stepfather is going to be a big deal, but hold on to that. That's only one half of Nero, his father, because Nero has a mama. And Nero's mama is Agrippina the Younger. Mm. She is a really important lady in the way of the ruling family. Remember, Agrippina the Younger is the great-granddaughter of Augustus. She is the sister of Caligula. Agrippina the Younger was banished by her brother Caligula in the last story. Okay. In 39 AD, when Nero's two. So here's little two-year-old Nero, dead dad, shipped off, yeah. banished mother. So not only is Agrippina the Younger banished, Caligula is going to take all of Nero's inheritance similar to the way that Tiberius took Caligula's inheritance. So little Nero, banished mom, dead dad, was mostly raised by household staff and stuff, his aunt. Nero's childhood is relatively happy, his younger years. Now, Agrippina the Younger had been put into exile by Caligula for that whole plot of the three daggers thing, but... Upon the death of Caligula, Agrippina the Younger is summoned back by her uncle, Claudius, Hmm. the new ruler of Rome. Actually, Claudius wasn't so bad. I'm glad you think so. We're going to wait on that because he may be bad. But compared to who bookends, I'm just saying. Claudius isn't great. We We can compromise on that. So little Nero is about four years old at this time, right? 
reunited, it feels so good, Agrippina the Younger, Nero, back together. Now, Claudius, who is also Agrippina the Younger's uncle, is now the new emperor. And Claudius learns it by watching all of his family. Claudius is not a great dude. By this point in the cycle of the Julio-Claudian dynasty, Claudius is ruling through fear. Claudius's big move is, I can kill you at any time to get whatever I need, and things are not great in Rome unless you are Claudius. So let's enter into the trashy court of Rome, my friends. Agrippina the Younger, released from exile. Claudius, thanks, uncle. Is this a joyful reunion of uncle and niece, you know, like all easy and platonic-like? Nope. Claudius is looking for Agrippina the Younger to be his new wife. Oh. She's not the first choice, but Agrippina the Younger is really important politically. Remember, Agrippina the Younger's father is Germanicus, who should have been emperor, brother of Claudius. Her family is decimated, too. She's lived through multiple banishments. She's lived through incest. Agrippina the Younger has had a lifetime to build up some resistance as well as the understanding that women cannot hold political power on their own. Agrippina the Younger is an unstoppable force. So let's bring it all together. Nero, growing up in this court, and Nero becomes the pawn of his mother. Nero is essential in Agrippina the Younger's game. She wants Nero on the throne to reclaim the legacy her father did not get, embrace that whole Julio-Claudian line thing. Enter Messalina, because there's another lady at court, and her name is Messalina. So now you have Agrippina the Younger, mother of Nero, and Messalina, goodness, who has had a son with Claudius. His name is Britannicus. To make matters more complicated, everybody's related. Messalina, her mother's brother, was the first husband of Nero's mom, Agrippina the Younger which makes Nero and Messalina first cousins, even though there's 20 years between them. Okay. It's a lot to take in, but here's the thing I need you to know. Messalina isn't going to give one wit about her cousin Nero when her son Britannicus is also neck and neck in the power play for who's going to be the next emperor after Claudius. So we have Nero on one side, Britannicus. Their moms going at battle with each other. Agrippina the Younger, and Messalina, all in the court of Claudius. Does that make sense? I mean, sure. We need a board and yarn and (laughs) all of that. So, But it's an audio show. I mean, breaking it down. Mostly at court, you have two women in power, each with their own sons, fighting about who's going to gain the throne. There are multiple assassin plots between them that are foiled time and time again. But Agrippina the Younger is really getting tired of Messalina, like, up in her grill. So Agrippina is going to get rumors around court that Messalina is cheating on Claudius. Messalina, out. This is when Agrippina the Younger will marry Claudius. This is in 49 AD on New Year's Day. Is this legal? No. (laughs) Agrippina and Claudius will marry in a private ceremony and then just get the law changed later on the back end. Like, yeah, that's fair. No bigs. He's the emperor. What What are you going to do? So by the time Nero's 13, Claudius is his new stepfather, as well as great uncle. Claudius will officially adopt Nero. And I don't know if Claudius had, honestly has much of a choice. Like Agrippina the Younger, I want you to think uh, uh, Lady M., from the Scottish play 1,600 years before. She's shrewd. She's calculating. She's known to use sex to achieve her aims, but only with her husband. Like, she's not loose around the court. But mm, it's she's smart. She's powerful and power-hungry. And Agrippina the Younger, I, I think that makes sense if you've had her life so far. Like, it's tough to be a high-ranking woman in Rome especially one who likes power, always vigilant. Agrippina the Younger wants her son on the throne. More than Britannicus. 
who's also set up. And Claudius is alive for now. Oh, God. Okay, so Agrippina likes power. And she doesn't really like other women in her way. We've seen that with Messalina. So there was that one time that Claudius just paid a compliment to Calpurnia. Uh, he did it also with this girl named Lolia. And guards were sent to both Calpurnia and Lolia to kill them or let themselves kill themselves. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Agrippina, power hungry for sure. This is not the first time and nor will it be the last that we see the power behind the throne is a woman in Trashy Royals. So Agrippina legit straight up knows her husband and her son are her passports to power. Agrippina, as soon as Nero is old enough, is also going to get her son Nero married. Who's Nero going to marry at the tender age of 15? His stepsister cousin, Octavia, the daughter of Claudius. Perfect. Thus doubling up on Nero's political claim. It's weird that the human race persisted through all this. (laughs) Trashy royals. So Octavia, least trashy person in the whole story. Octavia is, again, from a powerful family. She's Claudius's daughter. She's the daughter of the emperor. And her marriage to Nero will give Nero some validity with the people of Rome. Nero hates this. I need you to remember that. Octavia is lovely. She's kind. She wants a romance. And right, it's a love story, baby. Just say yes. And Nero's like, piss off, Octavia. Nero wants to party and be promiscuous and take advantage of everything that you can do as potential heir, which is mostly not be in love or be faithful to sweet Octavia. Octavia is also not able to conceive children. Okay, so where are we? Agrippina likes power. Also, I have not mentioned yet, Claudius, in addition to ruling through fear, is kind of a mean drunk. So Agrippina now, with Nero secure in the lineage, and Britannicus maybe to deal with later, Agrippina's going to make a plan for her husband. A new arrangement, so to speak, and that new arrangement is dead. Agrippina's had enough of Claudius, so Agrippina's going to head to the local apothecary for some poison. Hmm. Mushrooms and poison should do the trick easy enough. Like you do. There are a few workarounds, though, because all the details are made for the right kind of poison to kill Claudius, but Claudius is not, like, 30 years older than Agrippina. Like, he's not the long-lived emperor. He's old. He's made some preparations. He's no fool. A eunuch will eat all of Claudius's food before Claudius does. Right, the food taster. Exactly. So you got to pay that guy off. So the poison's put in after the eunuch has tasted the food. Well, Claudius foils the plan. Okay. Because he's already so drunk by the time the mushrooms get there. He eats a little and just throws them up. Hmm. Okay. okay. And this is a slow acting poison. And okay. like he doesn't, Claudius doesn't eat enough mushrooms to kill him. They just make him super sicker. Yeah. Queasy. Than he was going to be already from the drink. But Agrippina, she has a play. You don't even know where this plan is going. Like she is the star of the story. Agrippina. Oh, my poor dear ill husband. Let's get you to the doctor. He's very concerned. For poor Claudius's welfare. And the doctor is like, tut tut, you look real bad, Claudius. Maybe if you throw up some more, you might feel better. Nagrapina's like, yikes. If Claudius survives this, he definitely knows that I'm poisoning him. This plan has to work. But Agrippina has a plan. She's no dummy either. You don't stay alive in Rome that long being a woman without a plan. So here comes the doctor. Claudius, if you would just puke a little more, throw up. It's going to be great. Oh, you don't feel like you can? Here, let me take this feather and tickle the back of your throat to get you to throw up. But alas, you see what's going to happen. The feather is poisoned, double poisoned. Claudius has been, everybody has been in on the scheme. The eunuch, the cook, the doctor. It was just to get Claudius to this point to tickle the back of his throat so no one's the wiser. 
that Claudius was in fact murdered by Agrippina. That's pretty cunning. Dead. Tickled. By a feather in the back of the throat. Devious. Multiple poisonings in one night. But, I mean, you're right. That means you can't pinpoint any single spot. That's but, I mean, exactly he right. got sick here and then he died up there. Like, these things aren't really... Or, you know, no one's at fault. Agrippina. Trashiest royal. This story is legend. So Claudius is like 60 dead from drink or overuse or probably, poison. if this story is believed, poison. Agrippina needed him out of the way, and huzzah, congratulations, Emperor Nero. It will take Agrippina just a little bit of time to let anybody know that Claudius had died. She's making all the plays to secure that her son is in power. And Nero at 16 is the new ruler of Rome. Popular. Fear and tyranny are over. Goodbye, Claudius. Now we have this new young boy king. The dog days are over. Good King Nero is how he is how we remember him. That's it. He loves music and the arts. Who doesn't? He's seen as gracious and affable. What a flowering of civility in and ye old Rome. To be fair, Nero's mother's plan is probably not what Nero would have wanted for himself in life. He will get there. But originally, Nero is just a theater kid. He wants to dance and sing. And I mean, like, debauch a little because it's ancient Rome. But like, whatevs, have a good time. And here, Agrippina is helping Nero very much enjoying the power that she is gaining from her son being in power. But all of her plays have worked. She's off to Messalina to marry Claudius, to get her son in play, to kill Claudius, Agrippina is exactly where she wants to be. Everything she's worked for is all coming true. The sister and the wife of an emperor and now a mother of the emperor too. Agrippina, her face gets on the coinage. This is the first time a woman's face has been shown on hmm. coinage in Rome. Interesting. She's a big deal. But the problem with Nero now as emperor is Agrippina is holding over his head what a big deal she is and Nero is like, but wait a minute, I'm the emperor. And he's realizing that he's king and it's good to be king and he can do anything. He's getting a little mad with mom doing the nagging. And at this point has his stepbrother Britannicus killed. You knew that was coming. I mean, I mean of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, originally he has Britannicus like locked in rooms so he's no threat. But Ta if he... Tower of London type stuff. But yeah, like, I mean, you right. know, you know, it's Nero. You know so, what's coming. Yeah. Then those leftover mushrooms, sure. right, get sent to Britannicus, poisoned. All right. So Nero gets naturally more power hungry by the day. And he's at odds with Mama. And because Nero is Agrippina's passport to power and Nero is trying to distance himself as like every teenager. How do I get away from my mom? Because Nero is emperor is no puppet by this point. He yeah. gets all the perks of power. How hard can it be, really? What gets in the way? Love. Now, remember, Nero is married to his stepsister cousin, Octavia. But Nero falls in love with Acti. Acti is older than Nero. She's sexy. She's an ex-slave, right? Straight out of Greece. And Agrippina the Younger does not, capital N-O-T, approve of any of this, as Nero wants to ditch his stepsister cousin, Octavia, mm -hmm. to marry... For love. Acti, mm -hmm. to make a slave girl empress, which is just... Not a thing. Agrippina, not a fan of this plan. Acti needs to go. Nero is <laughs> trying to buff up Acti's lineage making her a little bit more important, you know, right. than she was. But it just isn't going to work. Agrippina's going to win this one. Nero gives up his true love for duty. But Nero giving up Acti just puts the final stake in the heart and is going to separate Nero and Agrippina. She's no longer working for his administration. Her face is removed from currency. Also... Potentially, Agrippina may be trying to kill Nero. Maybe at this point, according to some historians, Agrippina tried to sleep with her son Nero to work her way back into his good graces. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like 
her status is suddenly significantly reduced because the emperor, her son, is mad at her. It's bad. This is sort of the split for now of Nero and Agrippina. So Agrippina moves away, not in the kingdom anymore. Perfect mother, banished. Nero now wants to make his own dynasty. He's not exactly new on the block of a family who uh, all wants to kill me. Nero's like, you got to wake up pretty early in the morning to fool me. And again, Nero, not a bad emperor in the beginning. What do they say? Pax Romana. Peace to the Rome and quiet to the provinces. Citizens in Nero's government get, you ready for this? Universal basic income. There's a lottery made for prizes that you can go pick up at the palace. So maybe it's cash, maybe it's gold, maybe it's a cow. I don't know. The Senate's restored. Like, everything's kind of groovy for a few years. Nero is young and fresh and financially supplying his people. And after Claudius, like, Nero looks like sunshine. He's popular. He's doing all the things he needs to do to appear generous He throws great parties. He works the crowds. He is a theater kid. He likes to be among the people. Sure. And there's, I'm sensing a noted lack of sadism toward the public, which his predecessors, Caligula in particular, certainly delighted in. All the world's a stage and here I am an artist, right? But after a while, like Nero, still a teenager, this whole thing's a drag. He wants to be drunk and is doing secret things in disguise. He'll get dressed up and go roam the mean streets of the villages. He's not exactly ruling with dignity. He gets beat up quite a lot. Hmm. Anyway, Agrippina never stops nagging from over on her remote position. Okay, this is a lot, but the story is really about to heat back up because love is going to rear its ugly head again. Nero is now 22, still married to his stepsister, cousin Octavia. And here comes Papea. And Papea is a member of the aristocracy, but Nero is still married. And Papea is like, you need a divorce, Nero, because I'm pregnant. I can give you an heir. Octavia can't. Agrippina, still not into this. But Nero is going to remove his mother from all interaction Papea is still taunting Nero about, you're a mommy's boy. And Nero's like, you know what? No, I'm not. It's easy not to be a mommy's boy once I'm a mother killer. Nero begins to think the unthinkable. So by 59 AD, Nero has decided mama needs to die. This is just not unthinkable within his family. (laughs) Nero's 22. Agrippina is simply in the way, and Nero needs to change all that. So this story is legit bonzo. First up, Nero's going to call meetings with all of his advisors on a particular topic, and that particular topic is how to kill my mother. And Nero, his original idea, plan A, is to just go in with a stabbing. Quick, easy, to the point. Took care of Julius Caesar. But all his peeps are like, whoa, isn't that a little hasty? She's a pretty important woman, and stabbing leaves evidence. Someone's going to need to pay for that crime. We can't just explain away a stabbing. It's You can't cover that up, man. So plan A, out the window. What else you got, friends? How do we keep our hands clean since y'all are so worried about evidence and stuff? What's plan B? Plan B in Rome is always poison. Stabbing okay. plan A, poison plan B. So, the apothecary is called, poison is created, and, oh God, I love Agrippina, poison is littered like glitter over everything Agrippina's about to eat. Don't eat the mushrooms in ancient Rome, y'all. Everybody is waiting for Agrippina, who is feasting on all of this delicious food, glittered with poison, to fall out. Heaps of poison are on her food. You come for the queen mother, you best not miss. So here's all of court watching Agrippina, just waiting for her to keel over dead. But Agrippina's not dying. Oh, can I have some more? This is delicious. Yum. Agrippina has been building up resistance to poison for her entire life, and this meal doesn't face her. She gets seconds. 
Yeah, because this family is golden. Agrippina burps, has another glass of wine, and heads on up to bed. That's Agrippina. She is invincible. All right, Nero. Crap. What's plan C, y'all? That was terrible. Okay, plan C gets ridiculous. What if we... Okay, because she had the poison, and she has to go to bed every night. She likes her drink. She has to go to bed every night. So let's engineer Agrippina's bed to collapse in on her. That seems like a great plan. It'll look like a bed accident. Death by bed accident. bed accident. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like if all the pieces of the bed come loose and her bed falls in on her. Sure. Oh, no. What a tragedy. Okay, so plan C gets underway. Screws are untightened. The mechanisms of the bed are ready to fall apart. The great bed collapse of 59 AD does not kill Agrippina either. She's impervious to crushing. She's the Rasputin of Rome is what Agrippina is. Okay, plan D. You ready? Here comes plan D. Plan D is we're going to have a boating accident. (laughs) Agrippina, who's been on the outs with Nero for a long time, all of a sudden gets this invitation to Nero's holiday home, which if you're Agrippina and you've been on the outs with Sunny Boy for so long and here comes this nice embossed invitation with, hey, mom, I really want to make up or maybe kill you. Never can tell, but I'd like you to come to my holiday island and like hang out with me and my peeps. So Agrippina takes off with one of her friends, whatever, we'll call her Betty. So Betty and Agrippina go over to the holiday home and they're staying on a separate island. So they take the boat from their little island they're staying on over to Nero's holiday home and they have dinner and a good time and fancy and drink and everything's so cool. But Agrippina and Betty need to get taken back across to the boat where they're staying before It gets dark. The party has been fantastic. Agrippina and Betty pick up their gift bags on the way out the door. There's no reason at all to be suspicious. On the way over, mysteriously, somehow, the boat just falls apart. Oh, wow. (laughs) The oarsmen, who have mostly taken the boat apart, know this is happening, so the oarsmen begin to swim to shore. Betty... Agrippina's friend, thinking her way to survive this boating accident is to yell, not help on Betty, but help, I'm Agrippina. I need to be saved. I'm the mother of the emperor. And that plan doesn't go great because the oarsmen who are swimming to shore thinking Betty and Agrippina are certainly dead by the boat collapse incident here I'm the emperor's mother. The oarsmen swim back, kill Betty. drown her, yeah. Great. Now Betty's out. The oarsmen don't know it. It's the middle of the night. They're in the dark. They Mm -hmm. think they've killed Agrippina, who was the target all along. They high five. They swim to shore. The thing I need to let you know about Agrippina the Younger is she's also an Olympic swimmer. Oh, my God. (laughs) Of course she is. So now after plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, Nero can't even handle it anymore. He brings everybody back together and he's like, y'all, we're going back to plan A, stabbing. (laughs) I can't even. And Agrippina knows for sure that death is coming for her. Yeah, yeah. But Agrippina, who has been invincible throughout this entire trashy tale, (sighs) she's going to go out in style. The Praetorian Guard will not do it. Hmm. Nero's like, and the Praetorian Guard and the Emperor have to be hand in hand. Yeah, they're the elites, right? But they're the pre- the, yes, yeah. the, it's like 6,000 of the best of the best. Right. But Agrippina the Younger has been with the Praetorian Guard for 20 years. They're like, no, Nero, you've lost your mind. That would make you a mother killer. Nero will go find a few who will be happy to kill his mother. And she opens her door and the swordsmen are there and she knows what they're there for. But Agrippina going to go out in style. She opens, she gets on her knees and flings open her robes and commands them to stab her in her womb since that's where he came from. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. 
Agrippina the Younger is out March 29th, 59 AD. With a little thank you, Mom, from Nero, you have given me my empire, and now Nero's a mother killer. Yeah. Just add it to the titles. Now, unfortunately, Nero gets a lot of props for being a mother killer. There's a lot of backslap and good on you, man. She was driving us mad, too. The witch is dead, ding dong, and all that. At least in some circles. But now, with no mother to monitor Nero, Nero unleashed. Seneca is Nero's tutor, right? And he even helps cover up for this. They say Agrippina killed herself, but Seneca and his other advisor, Boris, right now, know we have lost Nero. He's too far gone. Power has absolutely corrupted him. With mom dead, no one's stopping him. So now Nero is going to divorce and banish his stepsister, cousin wife, Octavia. Of course, which was what he wanted, like... It's what he wanted to do in the first place. Mom would still be alive had she just been like, well, okay, I don't like her either. But remember, Octavia is beloved in Rome. And this move is simply just not popular. And it was Octavia's name that gave Nero any kind of polish. Octavia had been a wonderful wife, well-loved by the people, kind and generous. But Nero wants to bail on Octavia because he's found Papea, right? This is pretty trashy. As with the mom killing, Nero's going to find a bunch of yes-men, consult Papea and her advisor, and everybody's like, we have to take Octavia down. So they set Octavia up into an affair that Octavia did not have. Octavia's maids are paid to speak lies about their mistress, but her maids and staff won't do it. They're loyal. Remember, all of Rome loves Octavia. So now the people of Rome are rebelling. The people stand up for Octavia. Not only that, they're cursing Papea. You can't treat Octavia like that. There's backlash against Papea. Oh, gosh. So they've taken the assassin of Agrippina the Younger, and now they're blackmailing him saying, we're going to tell everybody that you killed Agrippina unless you go to the Senate and lie and say that you slept with Octavia. It's all terrible. Regardless, Octavia divorced and banished, and there's backlash. But don't worry. Octavia is eventually sent to Prison Island, murdered very quietly when Hmm. she arrives. Want to hear the worst part? I mean, it's all kind of bad, but sure. Nero is going to put Octavia to death on their wedding anniversary. June 8th, 62 AD, goodbye Octavia. So Nero is also a wife killer. Who's going to tell him no? Extra bonus, Papea gets Octavia's severed head. That's quite the gift. Told you it was trashy. So Nero is now large and in charge. There's no one stopping his regime of terror. But he's giving universal basic income and gifts and entertainments. And it's fine. Peace to the room, quiet to the province, as Nero's out. He wants to go live his best life with Papea. He wants to write poems and sing and act. And here, married to finally who he thinks is his true love, Nero gets pretty full of himself. At this point, Nero is going to enter the Olympic Games, which naturally Nero wins as oh, yeah. the other competitors have to lose. Yes. And uh, Nero after mom killing and wife killing, really begins to like killing people. Hmm. He loves to order a good execution, and if you look at him wrong, he'll do it. He's now mm, gaining the power that his mother would have liked him to have all along. He he got a taste for for blood. Oh, yeah. And decided he wanted more. He likes to throw lavish sex parties with men and women and children. He's got a lot of eccentricities, and his deviances really get worse literally by the day as there's no one to stop his expansive imagination in how he would like to claim and use power. So sex and murder here, pretty commonplace. I think once you've murdered your mother and your wife and no one stopped you, you're, you're, you're on a bad path. The path gets worse. And now we're going to backlight that path with a little bit of fire. 
So let's bring us up to the year 64 AD and the Great Fire of Rome. And this is really the beginning of the end for Nero. And to be fair, Nero was 35 miles away when the fire happened. Okay, so unlikely to have said it himself. He was having a little vacation out on Holiday Island. Nero's not there. Nero does not play fiddle or the liar on the streets as Rome burns. This is fake news. Well, and the fiddle was not invented for several centuries. That is true. So if he was going to be there, it would be on the liar, which Nero is a brilliant liar player. Oh, well, well, I mean, he's a theater kid. Loves a stringed instrument. Loves a stringed instrument, but Nero is out. He's not there. But by this point, Nero is really unpopular. And when they call it the Great Fire of Rome, I need you to know it is a great fire. I think people who lived through it probably didn't think it was that great. Great in terms of size. Size. The fire begins July 18th, 64 AD on Aventine Hill overlooking the Circus Maximus. Here there are wooden bleachers that will hold about 300,000 people. So imagine that much wood. That's a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of wood stacked up there. In addition to... With with plenty of good airflow. Plenty of airflow, (laughs) wood for a lot of people. There are wooden slums, slums, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, in more like lower class housing right. built out of wood. Yes. That abut. Very fiery. Mm-hmm. Okay. All it takes is one simple overturning of a fire in one of those homes and sure. it's gone. Yeah. Cooking oil. Like, yeah. The wind picks up. It goes badly. There is no gaining control of this fire. It is a great fire. It burns for six days. Wow. It is the worst fire in the history of Rome. Again, does not sound great. (laughs) Uh, About three days in Rome, everybody's working on, like, helping squelch this fire. Sure. Well, it's existential at that point. Great and terrible. Yeah. So it looks like after about three days in, they're about to tamper it down, but then it reignites. Oh, my God. For Rome to burn another three days. I cannot imagine what the bucket brigades must have looked like for that. Do you want to take any guess as to how much of Rome is gone? A third? Two thirds, 70%. Yeah, that's, wow. Two thirds of Rome has burned to the ground. Yeah. And naturally, when events like this happen, people are looking for someone to blame. Who is responsible for this? So, of course, the easiest guy to blame, who wasn't even there, sure. but doesn't really matter, is Nero. The garbage emperor Nero. The fake news begins to circle around that Nero was singing on the bridges, playing the lyre, watching, mm-hmm. strumming while his city burns. Now, to Nero's credit, he will open his palace to shelter and feed misplaced people. Which Nero does- must have been... I mean, the bulk bulk of the population. Absolutely. Nero does all the right things after the fire, but not to his credit. Wow. 70% of Rome has burned down. Look at all of this available land to build on. So not helpfully, now Nero begins building his golden palace. It's called the Domus Aria. So he does not set out to build... For instance, those wooden slums could be replaced with nicer housing and then people could be moved into where they used to live, but better. No, he builds a place for himself. So 70% of Rome that is burned, Nero is going to take up one third of the available space that just got cleared Mm. to build his golden palace, which is literally made of gold. What a convenient bit of fire clearance. You know it's not cheap? Gold. Uh-huh. So Nero, knowing this place is going to cost a fortune, imposes a new fire tax. <laughs> That's what you want to do when suddenly two-thirds of your population is homeless. It's you know, like, by the way, also, we have new taxes. You know how to give peace to the Roman quiet to the provinces? Not impose a new tax. Oh, boy. So currency is now even more devalued. And Nero, for getting blamed by everybody, Nero needs to blame somebody else. So Nero is going to find a scapegoat 
And Nero is going to turn to a small marginalized sect in Rome that is already pretty unpopular. They are known as the Christians. Scapegoaticus. Scapegoaticus, yes. Nero is going to persecute them a bunch. The Christians are like, Nero, you're the worst. Yeah. They're resisting. The targeting of the Christians is unjustified for sure, but the Christian folks believe the world's about to end anyway with all this casting fire upon the earth, and Rome and Nero deals with all of their insurrection pretty harshly. Christians are used as flaming torches. Fantastic. They're crucified. They're fed to wild beasts as well. This is when the infamous St. Peter of, you know, that St. Peter gets caught up beginning St. Peter's Basilica. Okay, so what happens in so many, uh, we started with Rome because we're going to see so many of these repetitions. So what happens by trying to keep a marginalized sect down that you're persecuting? Right, oppressing an insular community is is what they're doing. Rise up, only going to make it rise up more, right? So the Golden House thing isn't going great with how people perceive it, but it's big and it's gold. Also, Nero has built a 120-foot statue of himself in gold that sits at the Golden Palace. Build houses, man. Just just build. Why is this hard? His palace takes up a quarter of the city. 25% of Rome is this palace. You want to be popular and live a long time? Build houses. Well, more popular is actually after Nero's death. This palace is used as the foundations for the public bath. Mm, okay. So, you know. Anyway, not a good look. Golden no. house. City just burned down and you're building a golden house, taking up half the city and taxing us to do it. It's not cool. Well, and you've murdered all of the women in your life. I'm sure that helps. He's not popular with the people. To your point. Not popular with the people. Also, Nero is not popular with the aristocracy. Because Nero is like, this Rome thing, we're a little too tough here. I'd rather bring back Greece. How can we infiltrate all these Grecian ideas of arts and theater and drama into our hard, militarized, rigid Roman world? Nero, at this point, not only wants to be a promoter of the arts, he wants to be the star of the show. He wants to perform. So he already knows how to sing and play the lyre. So now he's going to begin all these special diet and exercise programs, take special drinks. He's getting in shape. He's getting ready to go on tour because Nero does go on tour. Oh my God. Hold on. This is just, so he's getting in shape. This is 65 AD, year after the fire. But 65 AD, before Nero goes on tour, he has a little bit of a squabble with Papea. And this true love is about to end too. Papea is pregnant with Nero's child. And she and Nero fight. Because Papea is like, hey, you're spending too much time at the races. Or maybe kill less Christians. I don't know what they fought about. But Nero will kick Papea and his unborn child causing her death and the baby's death as well, at least according to historians. Wow. So he, he beats his wife to death. Maybe Papea died in childbirth, but this legend goes down yeah. that Nero is now not just a mama killer, but a wife killer. Twice. But a double, yeah, two times over. It just gets worse. Well, and with, I guess, a little fetus side in there too, if we're, okay. So 65 AD, just... Hits keep on coming. There is a plot involving 19 senators to kill Nero in this year. And at this point, Nero's like, you know what? I've been drinking my smoothies. I've been doing my recitations. I'm ready to get out of town at this point because, hey, the heat's on me. Also, I want to go on tour to be a professional performer. Nero's going to go to Naples first. The crowd goes wild. Of course they do. <laughs> They're terrified. Uh, this is helped along by the acoustics in the place. They build theaters better in Greece for acoustic purposes. From Naples, we go to Greece, and all of this applause is really going to Nero's head. Praise. His ambition's really taken off. He wants to be an EGOT winner, right? He's like, sure. I can do this in every country. Mm -hmm. Nero's going to set off to Greece to continue the tour. Nero's out of Rome for like a year and a half, laying low out of Rome, but... Sure. Okay. 
Nero's world tour. Nero has 5,000 paid applauders that he takes with him. Yeah, that sounds right. Enters all the tournaments and competitions through the countryside. Nero always has to win. Nero is going to come back to Rome with 1,800 tournament wins Mm. from his year and a half across the countryside. Okay. I'm sure they were all fairly won, so. Good Lord. Okay, a few other things playing in. I really am getting, we're so close to the end of the story. 66 AD. Again, keeps getting worse for Nero. Nero's going to marry again. Although he was in mourning for a moment for Papea. Well, I mean, yeah. But you can't stop true love. And this is Statilia. Now, problematically, Statilia's husband does have to die. Nero kills him. So he can marry Statilia. But, you know, he does like killing, so no bigs. The next year, though, Nero is taken in. He sees a young freedman whose name is Sporus, who hauntingly looks just like his dead wife, Papea. <laughs> so Nero orders Sporus castrated and marries Sporus. Mm. But Nero never calls Sporus Sporus. Nero calls Sporus Papea for the rest of Nero's Nero's life. life. Which I'm hoping is not long. 66 AD, Nero's problems are not limited just to marital changes. (sighs) There's, again, increase of all the taxes to build the Golden Palace and the persecution of the Christians. Let's not limit it, though, just to the Christians. Rome is going to come after Jewish folks, too, because the provinces are getting taxed as well. And when we talk about Pax Romana, there is no Pax in Jerusalem in 66 AD. This sounds like, yeah, some temple action is happening around this time. It's like you know history. Hmm. Holy cat. So, right? The Jews are going to rebel against Rome because of, well, all of it. Nero, in 66, is going to send an army to restore order to Jerusalem, which mostly takes care of all the provinces first, centering in on Jerusalem by 70 AD. Nero will be dead by this point when it all shakes down in 70 AD with the burning of the temple in Jerusalem, beginning a story that we are still in today. All right. Nero, Grecian tour, countryside, 800 wins. Nero's going to make it on back to Rome, decorated by his medals and laurels, just in time to have goose eggs. Nothing. No friends. The sentence like, you got to be kidding me, Nero. You're not even Roman at this point, Greek boy. And Nero's Praetorian guards have deserted him too. And all of the people in Rome and all of the people in the provinces, like there's a price on Nero's head. Here things go bad quickly. (laughs) There is a whole lot of backstabbing and conspiracy. And there's one day that Nero wakes up, you know, has his coffee, has his mushrooms, and the like whole palace is suspiciously quiet. Because everyone who hates him is actually meeting with all the other people who hate him. Nero's like, oh, it's going down. Gotta get out of here. Nero, please. But hey, the Senate was actually meeting and the Senate had decided to let Nero live long enough to at least get someone pregnant, like get his new wife pregnant. But alas, Nero is declared an enemy of the state and sentenced to death in the ancient manner. What does that mean? That Nero would be naked, paraded around Rome, and then stoned to death. Nero, at this point, thinks, "Mm, suicide is probably my better option. Possibly suicide, possibly killed by one of the people that was in his hideaway. But with the words, oh, what an artist dies with me. Nero is out. June 9th, 68 AD. His wife is killed as well. (laughs) And that is the last of the Julio-Claudian bloodline, the end of the dynasty. And Nero's death will lead us to what is known in history as the year of the four emperors. There are four different dudes who attempt to quiet Rome and its provinces after the death of Nero. And that really doesn't go well. But with the death of Nero and the end of the Julio-Claudian line, we're wrapping it today. Well, that was, uh, that went places. That went all over 
collected a lot of medals. Agrippina the Younger, you're never going to forget about her. my gosh. Yeah, the Rasputin of Rome is correct. Rasputin of Rome. It's, I think, her story, honestly, that is more intriguing than Nero's here. There are a lot of echoes of history in this particular story. The woman behind the man, power behind the throne, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I learned it by watching you. Goodness, I'm really glad to be wrapping up this voyage of Rome. Although, again, we're going to see these themes and stories again and again and again. Is Nero a paranoid, murderous ruler? You betcha. (laughs) Also, you can see what happens when a kid who doesn't really care about any of it. Remember, what an artist dies with me. I'm just a theater kid. Somebody who has no interest in it gets their hands on unlimited power, unlimited wealth, and an army to do your bidding. Alicia, how many trashy crowns are we allotting to Emperor Nero? I don't know. Let's take a tally here. Mother killer. Mm -hmm. Multiple wife killer. Mm -hmm. Child killer. Mm -hmm. Christian killer. Mm -hmm. Jew killer. Mm -hmm. Most of Rome killer. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the most self-absorbed and unaware person... At the same time, ruler, Mm -hmm. I am going to award Nero a Roman Colosseum of trashy crowns. Seems good. Seems good. Yeah, just build houses. Do you you (laughs) know? Do you know? Like my golden palace. You know how awesome it is when all your subjects have nice houses to live in and maybe nice jobs to go to? Like, come on. I used to get great Chinese food at the Golden Palace before they shut down. (laughs) Different kind. (laughs) Y'all, that is the end of Rome. We are going to come back. Your next quarter of the Trashy Royals assembles next Thursday, May 4th, Mm -hmm. for a whole new revelation of new Trashy Royals behaving badly. We've got some super fun stuff coming. Because... The number of trashy royals in human history is basically limitless. Off the charts. Again, we don't have a clever sign-off. I would say stay trashy, but not the royal kind of trashy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, straighten those crowns. That's it, friends. Big love. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to listen today. You're the very, very best. See you next week. Bye. Bye, y'all.